Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and you are very welcome back to The Unpopular Opinion. My name is Carla, and today I don't have my co-host with me. I do not have Jennifer Hatton is not with me today. Unfortunately, Jen um, had a prior commitment that couldn't be moved. And as we have got a guest, a very excited guest today that lives in a totally different time zone, we couldn't shake or move our recording. So, um, yeah, so today we want to talk about Pride and I have the lovely Lauren with me here. So I'm going to let you introduce yourself so that I don't butcher it. <laughs> um, well, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Lauren. I, as you can probably tell from my accent, am from the U.S. Um, I currently reside in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, the perfect place to be uh, discussing pride from. Um, yeah, I am. Uh, I identify as queer. Um, I'm not any kind of scholar, or uh, I don't have <laughs> any particular certificate uh, as uh, a member of the LGBTQ plus community. But uh, yeah, it's. It's obviously been a big part of my life for my whole adult life. <laughs> yeah. So we want to do something on Pride because, like, on the unpopular opinion, we kind of, like, as we always say, we're not prime time here, lads. It's not going to be the six o'clock news. You probably won't get anything too educational out of the shit that we talk. But um, we're going to go crack ahead anyway. I really wanted you on, though, Lauren, because I feel like I've learned a lot about queer culture and a lot about... Like, uh, to be honest, you're kind of on the, you're very woke human. Like, you stay woke. You stay awake, if you will. I I have to, um, <laughs> given the state of my country. Uh, if you stay I, woke, you don't have to get woke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I mean, I, I had to work to get here. Um, I... I have the virtue of having, uh, you know, gone to college, gotten out of my tiny suburban town, but, uh, it's hard work to realize, uh, how, how much privilege we have and yet also how much work we have to do. Um, and I, of course I want to acknowledge that it's, things are different between the U S and Ireland. Uh, in some ways y'all are way more progressive than we are. Uh, and in some ways you have some catching up to do. 
Absolutely. Sure. I mean, one so, of the biggest things for me is that uh, in Ireland, gay marriage was legalized, what, in 2015? It was so long ago. Yeah. Um, and despite that being such a tremendous marker of progress, it seems like culturally there's been, it's a slow uptake is my take on it. Yeah. I think the marriage referendum, I want, I, I always, I always remember things as to where I was working. So I was working in Lush at that time. That was, yeah, it fully came into uh, context in 2015. Yes, you were correct. For some reason, I thought it was 2012. I decided that in my own head. Um, but yeah, so you are an out proud queer woman. Um, but I think it's good to talk about like the history of Pride because not a lot of people actually know where it started and why it started. And that's why it's funny when you see people kind of getting up in arms about Pride. You're like, do you even know the, does anybody know the history here? No. Goodness. Like uh, many of us in the queer community just cannot and will not stop laughing about the idea of straight pride. Like, yeah, come on. Amazing. Y'all have 11 other months <laughs> of the yeah. year. Um, and just, it's, it's nice to be you. Um, one of the, uh, pieces of investigation that I did in preparation for chatting with you is looking at the dates of when these important, uh, historical events happened. And, uh, that reminded me why pride is celebrated in June in the U S in particular, I think it is in many countries, at least Western yeah. countries. Um, but in June of 1969, at the end of June is when the Stonewall riot happened. Uh, and mm-hmm. Stonewall was a, I guess we could call it a bar. It was like a social club in uh, Greenwich village in New York city. And at that time, it was straight up illegal to be publicly gay, which I can't even imagine that. And that is, this is 1969. My parents were alive. Many of our parents were alive and full people at that time. It's unbelievable to me to think that just existing could uh, get you a night in jail. Uh, and in the village, there were a number of these social clubs where they, queer people could go and gather. Um, they weren't technically bars because that meant that they had to be regulated by the state liquor authority. And essentially it was owned by the mafia, the Genovese crime family. And one night the cops came in and were giving folks a hard time and it erupted into a full blown riot that went on for a number of days. And, um, the following year was the first, pride festival to mark that. Uh, and that's why it, here in San Francisco, our pride festival, our parade is at the end of the month so that it aligns with when Stonewall happened. Uh, and very quickly that was taken up across the world that people started, cities started having these marches um, and I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that the folks who are acknowledged or, I guess, accredited with starting that riot 
are uh, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, who um, are trans women of color who, incredible, incredible people who did so much for LGBTQ plus youth at that time, especially trans youth. Um, Obviously, HIV AIDS was a huge uh, pandemic that Mm-hmm. Wept across the community shortly after that, and um, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were uh, in um, the stuff that I was looking at, the research that I did. Um, they acknowledged that those women were uh, the first trans women of color to lead any organization in the United States. So that's a big deal. Um, and yet, they all, they both, uh, at the end of their lives, were relatively homeless, really didn't have much Mm. to speak of other than the uh, relationships that they had and the history that they made. They did a, Marsh B. Johnson, she always, I always hear her name kind of when you talk about pride, she always seems to be the one because not only was she um, trans, she was also black, which was like, you know, minority central. And um, but Netflix did a documentary about her actually in 2017 called Marsha. Now I don't, I think it was more available on the American platform than it was on any of the other countries. Um, but you know she is kind of she is something that when I hear people talk about LGBTQIA, <laughs> I always say that name. People are always like, you just say it. So I'm like, no. I'm like, no. I'll say it all. Um, when I think about that, that, when I've heard people speak about pride in those communities, it's always Marsha. It's always that kind of, it, it, she's mm-hmm. always the kind of the pinnacle and the person that puts up. But I want to talk about, <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about like pride and, I mean, obviously pride is about inclusivity and diversity and being who you want to be and kind of seeing representation and I feel like this month is like full of the performative queens. We've already seen it. <laughs> see them everywhere. All of the companies. Yep. Flat out at it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Have you ever felt like in any of the places that you worked, have you ever felt like, here we go, it's June. <laughs> Time to get my rainbow flag out. Yes. Uh, the last two organizations that I've worked for, very much so. Um, mm. I don't want to say what they are. Uh, but (laughs) the organization that I work for now is a massive educational institution and, uh, they are very, you know, at the beginning of February, they always send an email about black history month because February is black history month here in the U S and they're always very at the front of conversations. Um, but so that's the whole institution within like my department, it might be, Hey, we're going to do this like pride luncheon. Would you like to lead it? Um, oh, and because I'm, that's I'm like also me. a woman. Would you like to come on my podcast? <laughs> I've heard you are gay. <laughs> I've heard tell. Um, I, I'm also one of very few women in leadership in my department. So I get the like double minority stamp on that and will often get asked to do things like that. Uh, the other company that I worked for previously was a tech company in San Francisco and they, they're very, um, swag heavy. So they would every June, 
if yeah. you were a member of the pride committee, you would get this big gift pack and whatnot. Um, we might be featured in promos. It's, I'm an anti-capitalist as well. And that it always really, it all really rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> all of it. Just put all it all it. in the bin and set it all alight. Please do. I hate, uh, I hate each and every single bit of it. <laughs> all of it. And we, the, my current employer has a partnership with Under Armour and Under Armour loves to put out pride stuff, pride sneakers, pride gear, so much of it. And the founder of Under Armour is a raging homophobe who I believe donated to Trump, like hates gay people, but will actively take our money. Uh, and okay. I will be given their gear because I'm a gay employee of where I work. So it's, it's all of the tokenism, all of the commercialism of it. It's tragic. It's not <laughs> what pride is about. I think that it said, just kind of. I love a rainbow thing. I mean, I just bought a new <laughs> rainbow tank top recently. But uh, it's important for us to look at where our money's going when we get involved with that stuff or who we're supporting. Yeah, for sure. I think they can, they just can't help themselves, can they? Like it's just <laughs> no. these things. It's like they truly, truly cannot help themselves and they just go full tilt for it. I would say at this point, I think brands might assume if they don't say something or put something out there, then they're going to be painted as homophobic or not supporting. But... Mm. Support doesn't look like putting out a t-shirt that people can buy and then donating 5% of the proceeds. It can just look like making a donation. Yeah, for sure. So tell me about your first Pride that you've ever actually like attended to. Maybe as out or like were you, was that? That's a great question. Um, I didn't think about that. I, so I grew up in a small town in New Jersey and, um, I was, I was raised in a reasonably conservative Catholic household and I had made the decision to not come out to my parents until I was done with college. Um, so my first pride was I didn't go into New York because I couldn't think of a reason to lie to my parents about going into New York for a day. Um, oh. So I went I west into New Hope, Pennsylvania, which is a notoriously like cute queer town on the Delaware River. And a friend of mine and I drove out there. And um, actually, I think she and I were dating at the time. So it was even cuter. And I was 18. And... It was the first time that I saw more than a smattering of gay people in one place. Um, it, it was a little scary. When, when I was new to acknowledging that I was a part of this community, it was back in the like early 2000s, so... It wasn't as trendy and cool and generally accepted. So it was intimidating. 
Uh, and Pride, um, has the no kink at Pride conversation made its way over there? The which? The no kink at Pride conversation. No, Let's put a pin in that. that. <laughs> um, we'll come back to it. Um, so one of the things that was kind of shocking for me when I first started going to Pride events is that there's just a lot of parts out. You know, people uh, people who have breasts are not wearing shirts. People who, you know, like there's just stuff out that you wouldn't normally see anyway. Plus there being the layer of I'm a baby queer and this is all very intimidating. Like it's, it can be very overwhelming. Um mm-hmm. Then in college, I went, I went to school outside of DC and we went to DC Pride and DC Pride is a party and it, it was brilliant. Every year you're just hot and sweaty, drinking, partying in the streets. They're always good DJs. Um, the bar that we used to go to in college would, um, it was a lesbian bar and they had a float. And we would go on the float with them because we knew the people who worked there. Um, I, I would imagine it's kind of like if you're an athlete and you win a championship and you get a, a parade. <laughs> it feels kind of like In that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those are my first ones. But uh, San Francisco <laughs> Pride is, is huge. And it's a month-long party. So mm-hmm. it's a lot. Even this year, we're still, still going. Yeah, because I think it's something that's kind of it's taken I think it's taken off quite a bit um as far as more and more people are kind of getting involved but I feel like nowadays more and more people can get involved because they feel like they're more represented definitely um I think even there's less of a culture of gatekeeping in some ways some ways I'll say so it used to be kind of like if you weren't visibly queer I guess I don't love that term but if you are someone who wouldn't be perceived by your lay person as maybe not straight then it could in the past I imagine that it was more challenging to feel like you belonged at pride whereas now everyone's there even allies people who just want to party and be around the magnificent queer community everyone's welcome it's much more no one's asking you why are you here I think that's more like that's the crack though isn't it like that's Oh, very much, very much. That's very um, much like the fun of it all. It's <laughs> we have the best parties. <laughs> no one's denying it. We throw the best parties, um, but I think with Pride in particular, there is a little bit more of an expectation of folks. If you are not a member of the queer community, act right. You, this isn't for you. You're welcome. <laughs> But don't be rowdy. Don't be demanding all this attention. Don't be destructive. Just be cool. Come, <laughs> come party with us, but be cool. Come party with us, but be cool. But don't annoy me, but be an ally. <laughs> <laughs> and if you can't agree to all of that, I'm sorry. Then I'm sorry. You're, You're, not out, of my, you're out of my pride gang, for sure. Um, yeah. Because that's one of the things that I wanted to ask. Like, I think, first of all, how can people be, straight people be better allies? But also, when it comes to pride, how can straight people be appropriate allies, I think? Um, great question. I think 
it varies a ton based on where you are, of course. Uh, but one of the most powerful things I think folks can do is act locally and really locally around your dinner table, like around your sitting room. If you are connected to people who aren't, let's not even call it accepting, let's call it allies, then you have a responsibility to help bring them along, bring them up to 2021, because that's really where we all are. Um, be the person who speaks up when there's homophobic or transphobic comments, just like with racism. You know, if your family members make racist comments, be the person who tells them that's not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're somewhere where there are restrictions on access for gay people, gay couples, say maybe in adoption, uh, housing, employment protection, medical access, all of that stuff, um, vote. Vote with your values. A big thing I, right now I think that we can all be doing is changing our language. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like using your pronouns, introducing your pronouns. It's awkward, sure, but it really matters the more we normalize that. Um, did it earlier. I said, I didn't say women with their tops off. I said people with breasts. Um, saying things like people with uteruses, people who get periods versus saying women. Mm-hmm. Um, even though gender identity isn't the same as sexuality, those things do all fall within the LGBTQ plus queer umbrella. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, we are all one militia. We are all one family. So we advocate for each other. Um, yeah, those are really big pieces. I think another thing that we can do on an individual level is maybe this is asking a lot, but do some individual soul searching about your own identity that helps shake away the stigma The concept of this Kinsey scale is a really cool one. Um, I forget the guy's first name, but he, uh, Dr. Kinsey was a psychologist, I believe, maybe around the early 1900s, who came up with this scale. Um, It runs zero to six. And I think zero is totally straight and six is totally gay. And the assumption is that no one is at the bookends of that. Um, that's so interesting. And there's all of these, there's all of this nuance in between it. Um, and there's explanations for the one through six, you know, what they, what someone would look like along those data points. But the less we stigmatize ourselves not being bookends, the more acceptance there is worldwide of people not like not everyone's totally straight and that's totally fine. And the flip side of that queers, if someone's sexuality is a bit nuanced and a woman who's historically only dated women suddenly starts dating men, step off. (laughs) People have their own sexualities. Um, I I think those are really big ones. Yeah. I actually really want to put myself on that scale now and see how. (laughs) Yeah. It's, 
it's really interesting. Um, and acknowledging that that changes over time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. It was super revolutionary when it was introduced. There's a movie about Dr. Kinsey that was made, I don't know, a long time ago. Um, very revolutionary. People did not want to talk about sexuality back then. Mm-hmm. But like, let's normalize not being stratified in our sexuality. Absolutely. I think... I wanted to talk a bit about this and I think this is where like sometimes like when me and Jen were doing the privilege podcast last week we were like there is some sticky things here that we have to talk about about privilege and about you know where we fit and this is going to be awkward and you know nobody wants to like in all fairness nobody wants to hear two white women talk about privilege nobody wants to hear me who identifies as technically straight talk about like pride or whatever but here listen lads it is what it is but I think do you because I feel like with pride and I'm I this is kind of coming off the back I was reading about the dyke march and I thought that that was so interesting because so basically pride kind of started back in the in the 70s let's just 69 was the the riots and obviously the 70s is where it kind of started it wasn't even called pride it was called um what was it like gay liberation or something. Gay liberation. Like that. that was it. I was like, what yeah. was it? Something really outrageous. It's but, so um, weird. <laughs> yeah. So this didn't happen for another twenty three years on top of the pride. Because basically lesbians felt frustrated that they were a bit invisible when it came to Pride. So the Dyke March is something that technically happens the day before Pride celebrations. Yep. Um which I find great. <laughs> Obviously, it's fantastic. Yeah. I love the way it's called the Dyke March. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, it's a it blast. The Dyke March is so fun. There's always um, Dykes on Bikes is a oh motorcycle God. gang, and they're always like, I, I've done Dyke March, I think, almost every year since I've lived here. And um, they will often be alongside us when we're marching. It's, it's a blast. Um, I, yeah, that's a really important, uh, historical marker, I would say as well, because I think Dyke March happened in response to the AIDS crisis as well, uh, because AIDS was mostly impacting the community of gay men. Um, Mm -hmm. and as they were getting sick and dying, there was so much stigma around AIDS and around just being a gay person, especially a gay man in general, that the only people who were stepping up to help were the lesbians. And that there's a a particular softness here in the Bay area, I would say for lesbians, uh, which is kind of a dying identifier, which is a a very interesting thing Um, because the lesbians held the community for a while. Uh, Now it's kind of transformed into a bit of an us versus them. Um, Part of that being, if you look at income disparity, particularly in the U S I'm sure this is echoed abroad as well in a household of two men, you're going to have a much higher earning than a household of two women Um, men have a lot of privilege in the world that women don't have. And, 
um, pride because uh, the more capitalist it becomes, it seems like it's more gay boys, to be honest. And no hate, no hate at all. Huge fan. Uh, but it's, it's different. We have a different fight. Um, yeah. It's a different conversation. So, yeah, Dyke March is very, it's a march. We're, it's very, we're here, we're queer, fuck all y'all. Yeah. Whereas the parade the next day is, come on, Chase Bank, give us your free swag. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> vodka. Um, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. I didn't realize right. you were sponsoring this year's parade. Oh yeah. Yeah. Here's the main stage where, you know, the last time I went, Kaylani was performing. Like it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, Dyke March is not that. Yeah. Dyke March is, you know, let's do this. Yeah, it's let's fuck all, it. y'all. Uh, yeah. And one of the coolest things in San Francisco is up on one of the hills, we have this massive pink triangle that gets put up. It's, mm-hmm. it's hundreds of feet. It's huge. Um, and the Dyke March goes down a route where you can just see that most of the, most of the march. It's visually Visually very beautiful. (laughs) Visual and beautiful women everywhere. What more could you Um, want? I'm just in in my heaven right here. (laughs) Um, It's it's just a it's a great time for all of the family. Um, And I think that's something that I'd loved personally. I'd love to see more of a family presence at Pride because I don't know about San Fran. San Fran, it's 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 obviously done a lot bigger. And God bless um, Ireland. So Pride is always on my birthday weekend. Oh, right. Um, which, would you know, any of my gay friends would be like, that's so appropriate because there is no queerer straight woman than you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I understand. I'm like, yes, you know, being straight, it's not a choice. Let me tell you that. It's not a choice. So, like um, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's truly not. But um, what I what I think would be great would be to see Obviously, it, it it all comes through education. And <clears throat> in Ireland, we're a million miles away from that being in schools. You know, we're we're still, you know, talking about... We, we haven't even breached the conversation about proper sex education, um, let alone getting into... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The pride community like education for that and then also on top of that let's talk about like sexual pleasure and any of that other kind of stuff particularly for women like it's not something that we will ever 
in I I can't imagine it. I can and I can't imagine it. I hope that we get there, but sure, listen, we'll see. God bless. But um, I would I do think it would be great to see more of a family presence at Pride parades because one thing that I have noticed over the years, and again, Pride is like it's the party. It is like the crack. It's the best weekend, um, and the best fun for for a lot of people, but it's kind of turned into like a massive session, which is truly Irish yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. It's like, well, what are you going to do? Take it, take a day. Let's take a whole weekend and let's, um, let's have a massive. And it's up. warm out. Like, of course. Yeah, for sure. Especially over here. Like, I mean, if it's warm out, you're put in jail if you don't have a beer in your hand. But, um, I do think it would be great to see more of a family presence, but I don't know if that's something that is celebrated a lot in in San Fran. I can imagine you're miles ahead of us. We're we're honestly San Francisco is obviously very it's a bubble. We us who live here we have to acknowledge that it's very much a bubble. I don't think the United States as a whole is far off from Ireland as a whole. Um, we would certainly not have the most progressive sex education nationwide whereas here in the u.s i have a friend who teaches sex ed at a high school in a mission in san francisco and they're like literally talking about anal with teenagers it's wild um (laughs) unbelievable unbelievable uh but this kind of circles back to the no kink at pride conversation that's been going on um it's evaluating whether the intention of pride is to be inclusive of everyone who's a part of the community, um, including the like virtue signaling of, but there's children present, but there's children present. Yeah, very true. Um, Like, is it appropriate to watch someone in a gimp mask be like dragged around by someone who's stepping on their face and heels every now and then? Um, (laughs) This is where it's such a, like, because it's like, but then they grow up and it's normalized. And if right, they're right. to, then let that be that. Like, again, the reason right. why I feel like king shaming is such an issue is because if it's consensual, what is the issue? Right. And this is where we... And, like, and th- there are... It's for adults. It's yeah. why... If I'm walking around at Pride, I have no... Nothing to stand on to say that that person shouldn't be here. I don't care how they identify. They clearly have some kind of, uh, I don't have a better term other than like a minority sexuality. Um, This is a space for them too. That's my opinion. Um, I don't have children, will not be a parent. So I, that conversation really doesn't matter to me personally, but I think they belong there. I understand the other conversation of mm. they, it doesn't belong there. In San Francisco, we have another festival at a different time of the year called the Folsom Street Festival. And that is a kink festival. Uh, it is, it's a trip. <laughs> it is a fascinating cultural experience. Um, that is, it's not related to sexual orientation as much as it is how someone behaves in intimate adult spaces. And for me, I think in San Francisco, it would be an easy enough thing to say, 
maybe no kink at Pride because we have Folsom. There's also this other one called Dory Alley that's even more high. Children should be nowhere near either one of those, but especially not Dory Alley. Um, but if there isn't another space for those folks, like in Dublin, for instance, I would imagine there's probably not a separate kink festival. But there could be. Then I maybe the kids. Aware of it. <laughs> that would be. You know what? There probably is. It's just yeah. not B- blissfully uh, not ignorant. I am at the moment. If anybody knows of any, let me know, and I'll pop it into uh, the description <laughs> box. Because yeah, someone's looking for it. Find your tribe. Um, I think it's a very, very valid conversation about whose space it is. Um, and now that we're normalizing conversations around sexuality, sexual orientation earlier and earlier, it seems entirely appropriate that it be a family safe space. It's, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, but if the problem is kink, then Maybe parents just need to have a conversation about what's happening there. <laughs> like it's yeah, no one's getting See, hurt. It's a weird one as well because I've been doing a lot of my own research and a lot of you know personal growth and and thinking a lot about um you know realizing stuff and realizing things. It's really interesting, but um, <clears throat> I feel like something that I keep. I don't know if it's like my Twitter thread is like attuned to this now and it's like, this is your algorithm. But I've been uh, reading a lot about hypersexuality and like reasons and, you know, it, it, it's very interesting, like so much trauma compacted and it's it's so funny. It's like even, you know, there, there was a thread that I was reading the other day and I thought it was super interesting because it's about, uh, a, a, there was a couple of girls who had type three, type four hair and when they were younger, <clears throat> they their parents didn't either didn't teach them how to kind of take care of it or didn't know what to do with it in some cases um and there was one girl in particular who was adopted and she had um type four hair which is like really really tight curls um in like almost a zigzag right. pattern <clears throat> and she was saying how when she was younger she was adopted and her um she her parents weren't of the same ethnicity as her so they ended up kind of cutting her hair and she had like quite a short, short haircut and she was always called little boy or like they were like, oh, what's your little boy's mm. name or whatever else like that. And she was like, in turn, when I hit puberty, I became super hypersexualized at such a young age because I was almost trying to prove to myself that I wasn't the little boy that people used to mistake me for when I was six or seven. Yeah. And I was like, wow, there's just there's a there's a lot going on. Here. <laughs> there's a lot going on here. But, um, you know, it, it's something that kind of has kept coming up and up and up. And then there was another thread that I was reading the other day about virginity. And, like, there was one girl being like, how the fuck did I think it was okay to start having sex at 15? Like, I was a child. Looking back now, if I looked at a 15-year-old and you were telling me that they were sexually active, I would be like, excuse me, what the fuck? But she was like, that's just not how you think at that age. But then for some reason, when you grow up... Like when you're an adult, you kind of forget, not you forget that, but you're like, they're only 15. But then when you're like, what the fuck were you doing at 15? Like I was, I was smoking down fields with yeah. nagins. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of, it's a bit of a, it's a, it's, it's kind of an interesting conversation. But I also think that that is where a lot of people's rejection of children at Pride comes from. Because I think their worry would be, 
you know, if this is what they're quote unquote exposed to, but then it, it's tough because it's like, if, if they're ex- exposure and education is fine. It's when it's exposure without the education, there's the issue. 100%. Like I remember I also the very it's... first time finding porn. Do you know what I mean? And being like, oh, can I have a surprise? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, oh no. And having been brought up in the church, I was like, oh, it's definitely going to hell right now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't want to die. Um, <laughs> I think there's an important distinction that educators and parents and we all need to make between sexual orientation, gender identity, and sexual activity. Those are all very different things. Yeah. And um, for someone who is uneducated or doesn't care about the nuances, those things all very much get lumped into one another and it's inappropriate for children because yes, children shouldn't be having conversations about sex beyond just the educational stuff Um, until it's age appropriate. I mean, as an educator, I think about that a fair amount, but that's neither here nor there. Um, But if I had role models as a young queer person and I'm like pretty far toward the six like I uh, (laughs) to throw out a cool term um in the lesbian community we have a term called a gold star lesbian it's problematic we got to get rid of it but um people use that as a means of asserting how gay they are. I was about to say, I've never been with a man. I've never been with a man. That's how much of a lesbian I am. If you're you're a gold star lesbian, you have a bit more clout, um, which is untrue. It's bullshit. Uh, But it's also not, as far as I'm aware, it's not a big thing. (laughs) Like gold star gay isn't really a big thing. Like gold star. No, because misogyny yeah. no because men do what they want yeah. so, of course. men don't have to prove anything ever no i saw something on twitter that was um kind of jumping ahead to discussing uh like biphobia the a woman who identifies as bi is just like that's kind of fine like she just hasn't she's experimenting she hasn't found the right dick yet but a man who's bi, that's a stopover on their way to being, to gay. being gay. Because, yeah. right, there's no way no. that sexuality outside of a man could exist. So, fuck all that. But <laughs> back to the um, identity, identifying for kids, you know, we've, there are conversations about there being, you know, queer Disney princesses and queer uh, Pixar characters. It, <laughs> my inner child is like lighting up at those conversations. If I could have seen that there is a person out there who isn't a failure, who isn't a disaster, who isn't a disappointment, who isn't straight, that would have made a huge difference for me. Huge. That exists totally separate of what's happening in the bedroom. That's someone's own identification how they're moving through the world. And in the same way that (laughs) to make another race parallel, I have some challenges with Kamala Harris's ethic, but her as a woman of color in the position that she is, that matters so much to 
the young women of color who see themselves in her. And in the same way that if I could have seen a queer woman existing, just existing, maybe it wouldn't have been so hard for me. And I had a rather privileged experience. I wasn't excommunicated from my family, but that's, for me, that's the reason why kids should have a place at Pride in some way so that they can see the glory of an adult queer existence. Interesting. Be like, yes, this is my everyday. Yeah. <laughs> like, imagine being a tiny person who is feeling a little bit weird in their skin and sees a drag queen and... 20 years from then, they're a drag queen. Amazing. Amazing. I still yeah. remember the first lesbian I saw and, like, knew you're someone. I, I don't know what you are, but I like you in a way that I don't understand. I was probably nine. Yeah. And um, there is... There's a graphic novel that got turned into a play. Uh, that's one of the gayest things I've ever said. Um, that's, it's called Fun Home, and it was written by um, this person named Alison Bechdel. And it's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Highly recommend. Um, there's a song called Ring of Keys where Alison Bechdel, as a child, sees a masculine-presenting woman come into a diner for the first time. And she has this ring of keys on a carabiner on her waist. And the feeling that this child had of seeing someone who they will likely emulate someday was transformational. And I think for many of us in the queer community, we have a moment like that. Yeah. Um, And the part of that, the like beauty of that moment is the trauma of it. And the later reflection of, oh, my God, that kid saw themselves for the first time. Yeah. But why does it have to be such an anomaly? Yeah. It's it's interesting because, obviously, I feel like things are slowly getting better, but we're nowhere near the pace that we need to be to kind of realize and actualize things. Um, <clears throat> but I do think it is really interesting that we're kind of we're growing up more with like Elliot Page we're kind of getting more of that full you know even god forbid me but Caitlyn Jenner like we're getting more (laughs) like a lot of publicity around trans community members and around kind of that and like even if you think of um Kim Petras true (laughs) do you get me we're getting we're getting to a place of... And Demi Lovato coming out as non-binary recently. Exactly. Sam Smith. Yeah. <laughs> They're getting, getting kind of They're getting more there. the full story, though, I think is, is really important. Right. And I know, um, I always say Troy A. Sivan, but I, I think his name is actually just Troy with an E at the end. I, yeah, I, don't I think it's, it's just Troy. Troy A. Is it just Troy? Yeah, I think it's just Who Troy. Who the fuck put the yeah. E in? Jesus, Troy. That's, <laughs> we're gay, okay. okay. We have to take stylistic licenses. But I think what was great about him 
was that my um one of my very close friends he came out quite late I mean 19 which it, I, and it was you know he was very actively straight up until then do you know in the way so I think it was more of a I think it was more of a, a shocker for for a lot of the kind of people that a lot of the people that were very close to him were like yeah yeah no it makes sense but um <clears throat> I remember me and him talking about it my 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 which is Troy's like a fucking great song of his and he used yeah. visibly like vi- it was like a visibly homoerotic kind of video it was very like sensual everything else like that um but he used a gay porn star as like the lead in it and it was like um what the the porn star's name I can't I, I don't know his name but he was like somebody remember. that you'd immediately like, if he, if he, he's a big name yeah. do you know what I mean he's like a big it's like, like uh, the Mia Khalifa of that yeah. world yeah the Mia Khalifa <laughs> of, of gay porn um and I remember kind of having this conversation with him and I was like oh that's like I was like it's a cool video because the video is like I love the it's kind of it's not fast love-esque but it's kind of that you know that like back like monochromatic and like shadows and yeah. like blinds and all this other stuff and the lighting's it's coming like everywhere. very dramatic very yeah, melodramatic like, but also like it's such a fucking cool song and i was like yes i love this vibe i love everything about it and it was almost a scandal because if you look at troy he's very young looking yeah which is like something that people, yeah like a like i think he might be nearly my age and he looks 18 and that was something that was i think he also just got his driver's license too. <clears throat> Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I follow him on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, like, hey friend, um, I'll drive you places. But I remember just um, not only like seeing my friend's reaction to that song anytime that it came out or anytime that it came on, it was like a different kind of reaction because it was like, yeah, fucking like I'm living my vibes, I'm feeling my fantasy, I'm living in the video. Do you know, it was like. Yeah. It wasn't like your normal kind of like, oh yeah, this is like a cute, cute kind of queer, crazy pop song, whatever else like that. It was like that whole kind of like, it like encompasses and like, that's the power that doing something as small as, like basically what Lil Nas is also trying to do at the moment, which is being like, you know, I'm going to be explicit because this is the stuff that I enjoy and you can listen or you cannot. And yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's those little things that, not everybody mm-hmm. picks up on, but I think do so much for the community and for awareness. And I do think, like, as I said, there is a lot more, there is a lot more non-binary people that are coming out, but there's a lot more of that, like, start to finish transgender journey. Like, I think Elliot Page, I read their article and it was, it was so interesting to me. <laughs> like, yeah. blew my tiny it's- little mind. <laughs> It's very interesting. Um, we chatted briefly about this at one point about how there is a generational thing that's happening with gender identity, and I find it very interesting. Um, I'm 33 and identify as pretty with it. Um, and for me, I feel totally fine and comfortable within the identifier of woman. That said, you're never going to find me in a dress. I'm much more masculine presenting. I usually wear menswear, except jeans, uh, and feel fine and comfortable within being a woman. Because for me, it's fun to identify as a woman and challenge what that means. I can be 
200% woman and change your spark plugs. Um, whereas I think the folks a bit younger than me don't feel comfortable with the box of woman. They would rather abandon that term, retire that term, and identify as however the hell they want. Um, use whatever pronouns they want. And it's fascinating to me. It's so cool. It's such a marker of progress. Um, I have a 10-year-old cousin who has two friends who came out as non-binary this year. Amazing, amazing progress. Um, That said, I think, especially outside of the progressive circles that many of us exist in, Focusing a lot on the different terms of gender identity, I think, is a bit of a red herring, herring, whatever it is, Um, because that's not the point. The point is, let people experience gender euphoria however the hell they want. Um, Like, I, I, I didn't read Elliot Page's article, but I saw clips of the interview with Oprah. And does Elliot use they or he pronouns? I think they. Okay. Um, Elliot's talking about getting out of the shower and now having the towel around their waist and looking down at a flat chest and how euphoric that is. I have never looked down at my body and felt gender dysphoria. Um, There's other shit going on there, but... Um, it's not for people who experience gender euphoria or gender dysphoria. I'm so glad that we're at a point where we're normalizing their progress and their journey. But I think that there's also a little bit of something else going on here where the problem isn't so much us as individuals struggling with gender, but it's the terms are making us do that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we need to retire the terms that are so exhausting because we're making this whole generation very neurotic. For sure. I totally get you. I think, I mean, if we were to do gender, we'd be here for another hour. (laughs) If we were to talk about gender. At least, at least. Um, yeah, well, obviously not like a, an unpopular opinion vibe of of gender, which would be like an hour, not a ton of, you know, substantial research and more kind of anecdotal <laughs> bit of a chat. But um, I think something that I want to, talk, to, to touch on is something that you spoke at, about earlier, which is about looking visibly gay. <clears throat> yeah. And again, how difficult I think that can be for people who are not out yet or anything along those lines to kind of like I kind of want to talk about what that means to you and how that's kind of I suppose structured how you how you act so this last year over um COVID I spent five months in Tennessee uh in the deep south and there, once we were able to go out into the world again, um, I didn't go alone. I don't go places on my own when I'm in Tennessee. My parents live there. I 
don't look straight. I think I don't look straight. People, I think most people wouldn't read me as straight. Um, some men don't get, the, don't take the hint at all. Some but, men do though. Uh, so. <laughs> some men really think I'm hollering just by the way I look. Um, but a big piece of visible queerness is safety. Um, I will wear different things. I'll wear my hair differently. Um, carry myself differently in, um, in different environments. I also, that, because of the way that I present, that means there's like this gay eye contact thing that we all do to each other <laughs> in spaces. And I, I am a recipient of it and both a uh, giver of it, but it's, people know. So like, if I'm out at a bar, I might get approached by another queer person because of how I look in, in those ways, it, things are easy. Um, my fiance, I hate that term. I can't believe I just used it. I but know. That's so <laughs> cringe. I can't, like, let's take a moment for you. <laughs> uh, I never use it. Um, my gal. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I like the term pre-wife because I think wife pre-wife is, is... Be really fun. Yeah, I, I think pre-wife. Um, I think that's good. But it also, it makes me feel a little juvenile. Um, but partner doesn't work for me. We can no, circle back. Just the worst. Partner does not work. Um, yeah. But she's much more feminine presenting. I mean, I, I saw what I saw when I saw her, but um, she's much more feminine presenting. And that's something that... Um, I have felt a little, I've felt a kind of way about it because if the world doesn't read her as gay, basically I just don't want men to hit on her is <laughs> where it comes to for me. That um, for a lot of folks wanting to be read as gay means not wanting to receive unwanted yeah, attention <laughs> from most like yeah. I don't want to come across as a man here, but it's, I, I'm not here for you. I am not, I was not created for the male gaze. Keep it elsewhere. Um, I know a lot of femmes or, you know, feminine women who really struggle with not being read as gay. Like I want to wear a skirt and a crop top, but I only want to be hit on by women. And I want women to know that I want them. Uh, that's hard. That's really hard. And I think it's one of the reasons why queer exclusive spaces are important and why the dating apps are actually very, very helpful for the queer community. Yeah. I think dating apps are, are a godsend a little bit. Like, first of all, I think that they get a lot of shit. I think first, like, when they first launched, I mean, obviously, I, I, I met Tom on a dating app, so, you know, I'm biased, but it was the way, and I've, I've said this a few times, but I do think it's important, like, the way that it was explained to me, I was like, no, I'm not going on that meeting loud of fucking creeps. And uh, yeah. it was my mate who had said to me, he was like, okay, so cool, so I've gone out many a time with you, and I've watched you, like, wear the face off some bloke at a bar, but you won't chat to them first and possibly figure out if they're a normal human being, and then maybe meet them for a date. Yes. Am I reading this correctly? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, cool. There's a bit so of just, a filter that you get. Yeah. 
like just wanted to check about that because as far as I'm aware this would actually help you instead of hinder you um and I think you might know his name before you put your mouth on his mouth the next time yeah yeah cool like even just (laughs) suss him out a little bit just a little just a tiny (laughs) bit um don't go off just pure attraction all the time that would be that'd be stunning but um I think yeah that was kind of the start it was like I was like no a lot of fucking creeps on it but then I remember joining it and being like okay so everybody is my age well like the age bracket that I had set I was like okay so these are all normal Mm -hmm. people I don't know and then it kind of blew up a little bit more and then it got a sleazy tag on it so first of all it was like you're weird (laughs) and it was like you're sleazy and I feel like I don't like grinder spoken about a lot in kind of like oh my mm. god I'm, go- I'm gonna end up miserable and alone and just going on grinder so i feel like all of my gay friends who have who have used um grinder have all kind of had the same a lot of them have had the same experience like it's, it's used as a hookup app but then yeah. i do feel like that can't be i don't know if that's just like the i'm miserable and i'm single narrative do you know what i mean or yeah. I'd really like to meet somebody and I'm just not really having any luck at the moment on the apps. But then as far as I'm aware as well, you know, from what I've been told is that like dating apps can kind of become a bit like of an aggressive sexual exploration tool, do you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, that, this makes me think of a couple things. One is that there have been a number of attempts at apps platform specifically for queer women and they keep flopping um there's one called her that i think it's based in silicon valley which of course it being kind of local and there being so much money there they keep sponsoring events like um the dinosaur weekend um down in uh, palm beach and everything um but it's it doesn't really take off um so that's one thing that is interesting that queer women, for whatever reason, I'm sure I wish someone would do a dissertation on it. I'm sure there's some really interesting sure reasons. <laughs> we have less of a hookup culture. So mm. that's probably an element of it. Um, there's also a big piece of why a lot of queer women really hate the dating apps is because there's always just people looking for thirds. It's such a thing. There's platforms for that. Take it there. Quit being like, it's, there's a couple in the picture. It's like, hi, I'm Melanie. This is me and my boyfriend, Todd. We're looking to add a third into our relationship. That's not what Tinder is for. That's not what Hinge is for. It's definitely not what Bumble is for. Take it to the dedicated apps. Um, there's so much of that. That I would say is, the most pervasive problem for queer women on the mainstream apps. Yeah. It's so dumb. And that was, I was on the apps for a minute um, and I pulled myself off because at that time it was 2013 maybe. And it was so clunky if you were not straight. Yeah. Um, but there's, so it's rough out there. Yeah. It's rough out there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so rough out there, man. There, it's an, a, 
it's taking that queer space to the internet, which can be fine and great and wonderful, but we are losing a lot of queer spaces, uh, especially spaces for queer women. We, uh, San Francisco lost its only lesbian bar a few years ago. We have another one now, not personally a big fan, sorry, but, uh, we just don't really have spaces for us Mm -hmm. where it's like, I can have pick of the litter in this yeah. room. Yeah. Which is, you know, which is what we're all looking for, really, when we're going to a bar. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. You're like, yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> the, the queers are always, uh, I mean, we've all got trauma, but I would say uh, per capita, we have a little bit more <laughs> trauma in the, the queer trauma community. trauma per capita is so, so high. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty high. Um so there's, it can be really hard for queer spaces to only be non-sober spaces. People who are sober can't go to gay bars. So where do you meet people? Where do you find your community? Yeah. The internet? Yeah. Yeah, not, there, not here. Not here. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm going to put you on the spot. But I am conscious of your time as well, um, because we are in a oh. significant time difference here. <laughs> yeah, you're like chilling. I'm like, yo, girl. <laughs> but um, I am like, I need this... to go to bed. I don't want to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, no, I'll stay. I'll stay. They're fine. They're totally fucking fine. Um, but I do want to put you on the spot for an unpopular opinion of the week, Pride Edition. Being gay can be your whole personality. Oh, wow. She went, she went, (laughs) (laughs) it, yeah. Like, don't tell us we can't because we exist. We absolutely can. We We will. Our whole existence is defiance. You think that's not going to determine our personalities? Of course it is. Yeah. I think I think I think people more get annoyed about that when it's like um you know, you know like your job cannot become your full personality like that's just it's just a no you know, but then yeah, at the same time yeah. I would push back and be like if I was a doctor if I was you know I don't know there's certain things that I'm like yes it would, um I'm also gonna put you on the spot again but I know you're a massive music fan, I think you know what's coming next, <laughs> it's Carla's Stomper of the Week. Except I would like to hand it over to you. You're allowed to pick one song for your Stomper of the Week and I will add it to our Stomper of the Week playlist. Carla's Stomper of the Week. Emotional Oranges is a band that I cannot get enough of. Um, They just put out a new album called The Juice Box. The whole album is fantastic, but... um, you know what? I'm going to pick this one. I'm going to pick Body and Soul by Emotional Oranges because it has Big Pig in it. Okay. Um, and it's just, it's a great song. Um, damn, you really put me on the spot. It's all right. <laughs> but, don't uh, worry. It's not that, it's not that big a deal. <laughs> um, you're going to haunt me forever about this one. You're like, you cork, So <laughs> it's not, I mean, it's not like a club jam, but it, the whole album makes me want to like sit in the sun. Smoke a joint. It feels warm. 
Yeah. <laughs> so good joining the sound. You know how it is. You know how it be. Um, Lauren, thank you, you know so much. Every <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, this was always supposed to be like a lighthearted kind of conversation um, and something, you know, as I said, you know, it, it's it's another sticky subject that it's like, am I, like I said this to Jen, I was like, Did, are we really going to try and do a Pride episode? And she was like, yeah, because it's us and it would be weird if we didn't. <laughs> yeah. I think that's also very true. Um, so thank you for coming and co-hosting with me uh, and, and being put on the spot with co-hosting. <laughs> Um, and thank you for sharing your stories because I know a lot of the stuff that we, we kind of top lined a lot of things, but as you said, growing up as a queer person, there's somebody who identifies as queer and you know, everything else like that. Like there, there is a lot of trauma to unpack, a trauma per capita, trauma per person. <laughs> and it's, it's not always the light topic that you think it is going to be. And I think that's, a, you know, a lot of people think of pride of, as like, as you said, the absolute vodka fest and, you know, a rainbow flag and a few other bits and bobs like that but I think it's important to to build even I, th- I feel like I learned something here today and that was that was the point well if I can teach one person one thing a day I'm doing all right yeah. um yeah thank you so much for having me um again I'm not an expert I can only speak from my experience and what I've learned but um the queer community is one of the most welcoming fantastic phenomenal groups of people um but it exists out of defiance and there you know like you said there is a lot of trauma there there's a lot of love and care because we need it um so join us come party with us send us your love we will love you right back but um remember why it matters Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.